And now it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker for today, the man we know and love, just freshly back from California, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Spring is only two weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> Can hardly wait. It looks just like this in San Diego, only completely different is all I'm going to say. And it's great to be home. So I'm going to invite you, if those of you that would love to stand with me and sing, please feel free. If not, please stay seated. And if someone sitting next to you is sleeping, try not to wake them up while you stand, while you sing. All right, here we go. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every And so know with me that there is one power, one presence, one life. I call it God. I call it Allah. I call it Buddha. I call it Krishna. No matter what name I give to it, it is one and the same power and presence. And it lives, moves, and has its being by means of me. And I know that as I am grounded and centered in this awareness and truth of who and what I am, that I am here to excel in every way. And that is exactly what I do. I know that the universe conspires in my favor and backs my every move. I know that all of my desires and dreams are one with the divine. They are the will of God. And so I stand firmly aware of who and what I am and whose I am. And I give great thanks for this teaching. I give great thanks for the unity of this movement this oneness, because as we stand together, we are more powerful than one alone. And so with absolute gratitude for this thing called life, for this center, for this teaching, for Reverend Patrick and for each person present here today and for those that can't be with us today, I release these words to the law knowing that they are impressed upon the law and that this gathering is already a success in the mind of the one, that the words I hear today are exactly the words I need to hear, and I embrace them fully and go out into the world and live them. And so I release these words again to the law, knowing that they are done, and together we say, and so, and it, so is. it is. Thank you, Reverend Julie. Beautiful. And I, I want to thank Jenny Ty for filling in for Brown today, too. Thank you, Jenny. Beautiful. 
So, the title of the sharing today is called uh, Things That I Think About. And so I thought what I'd do is give you um, a ballpark view of what I look at every Sunday. Well, I'm doing this. Talk to you about things I think about. So there's usually a few that just nod off after a while. (laughs) And then there's always somebody that I look out at and I think I'm really making a great point and they're like... (laughs) And then every once in a while I'll be right in the middle of the the biggest point of the morning and uh, I'll see somebody go... Like that. But anyway, I just wanted to sit down and have a conversation with you. Things I think about. And we've never done that before. And if you know, it goes well, we'll do this more often. Because there's, there's a lot of things I think about. And, and to show up uh, not as, as linear as sometimes I do, uh, I think it's, it's valuable sometimes. I was, I'm so used to all this prep and all this prep. And I thought, no, 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 no. A lot of stuff to talk about. We were down in San Diego for our leadership conference, 2011. It was a joint conference with our brothers and sisters from the United Centers for Spiritual Living. Now, if you're here for the first time, I get it that that means very little to you. But 57 years ago, we had one organization. It was called the Institute of Religious Science. And then I got all this great information, which is quite intriguing how the organization split. Because what we teach is oneness. And so an organization that teaches oneness decided we're going to have two organizations. And so every year in class, it was always a challenge when people would say, why are there two organizations when you guys teach oneness and forgiveness and unconditional love? And any answer I'd come up with was never quite sufficient. But we don't have to do that anymore. But what I wanted to tell you, one of the things that was really interesting being in San Diego, we we had over 800 delegates from both organizations there to vote, ministers and delegates. One of our youth was there. Randy Guthrie. Randy's going to come up and share a little bit at the, uh, later on in the, the program. And Reverend Catherine Cardinal was there. Reverend Catherine Cardinal, pastor ordination panel. She is now an ordained minister in religious science, uh, international science for spiritual living. She will be selling autographs in the back afterwards. So... Uh, it was a great, great event. Over 800 delegates voted, and I wrote about it in the news, our newsletter, our electronic newsletter. And there were 12 against and over 804. So it was fairly unanimous, and I don't think it would have, would have represented us, us well if there had been a, a unanimous vote, because we're just not that kind of group. But it was great to be there. It was great to be there. And I, I, when I went down, Laura and I went down, we rented a car, because we... We wanted to have a little more freedom. Last time we were there, we stayed in the hotel the whole time, and we realized that we probably didn't want to do that this time, a couple years ago in San Diego. But when I went to rent the car, uh, this young uh, um, Hispanic guy was at the counter in the, the Avis at the Avis de- desk. I went on Priceline.com, and I put my own price in, and I got it. Now, this is great. You can bet on what you want to pay for a rental car. Never done that before. So I got to Avis, and the computer was broken down, so they had to manually write it in. And while I was talking to the guy, I was so proud to say, you know, are you, are you Canadian or are you American? I said, well, I'm both. 
And he said, what do you mean you're both? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a Canadian citizen and I'm a U.S. citizen. I have dual citizenship. He said, where were your parents born? I said, in the U.S. Well, then you're a U.S. citizen. Okay, Johnny, if that's going to get us a car faster. And do you know that the U.S. passport is the most powerful passport on the planet? Well, if you say so, Johnny, I'll go with that too. But anyway, and then we got back, and Johnny never wrote anything up. So I don't know if I'm getting billed for a car for a week or not, because they, they couldn't find us in the system. And I thought, all right. So, so I, but it was interesting to have that conversation, because it's a very... There's, there's biases we can all buy into. And I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll make this easy for you. Yeah, my parents were born in the U.S., so. But we're quite happy and delighted to be uh, official members of both, both countries, both beautiful countries. Uh, one of the things that um, um, I wanted to share with you, because there's a wonderful, uh, um, I brought this along, a wonderful presenter in San Diego, that shared with us uh, something from Peter Drucker. And it speaks to why we're here. I mean, why do we come to spiritual community? Uh, I was raised in a different tradition, loved the tra- beautiful tradition, uh, but something stirred within me, and I wanted, to, I wanted to... My heart longed for a fuller experience of my connection with spirit. I didn't realize it at the time. You know, when it, show, when it showed up for me, it was just something, there's got to be something more. I'm, 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 I'm interested to have more information. And I'd read about a lot of different experiences that people had had spiritually in their lives. And so it compelled me and it brought me to this beautiful tradition, which I didn't know even existed. But we are a nonprofit organization. And why are we here? Why do we come every Sunday? And I think this speaks to it in a beautiful way. It's from Peter Drucker, who wrote... A number of books on leadership. This one is from Managing the Nonprofit Organization. And this is from a presentation by a fellow by the name of Cliff Christopher, who did a beautiful day-long seminar on, on how nonprofits can do a better job of, of supporting their mission financially and the vision and why we're here. And Peter Drucker says, A business has discharged its task when the customer buys the product, pays for it, and is satisfied with it. So if we go somewhere and we buy something and we discharge it, and we, you know, we're happy with the product, that's what business is. There's an exchange. Government has discharged its function when its policies are effective. The nonprofit institution neither supplies goods or services nor controls. Its product is neither a pair of shoes nor an effective regulation. Its product is a changed human being. A changed human being. The nonprofit institutions are human change agents. And I think this speaks so beautifully to what I think why we're here. We are human change agents. Their product is a cured patient, a child that learns, a young man or woman grows into a self respecting adult, a changed human life altogether. A changed human life altogether. And we are not the only spiritual organization where that happens but our emphasis is on education it's it's on our programs that's why we we promote our our um, our classes that's why we we welcome you we want to make sunday service the most powerfully inspiring event of your week so that you take a bit of this this inspiration and the insight and the experience out into your life and you start to apply it more and more meaningfully a changed human being I'll share, uh, about three weeks ago, 
I came out to my vehicle. Laura and I lived fairly close by. And it was in the alley. And, of course, we've had some really brisk mornings. I'd like to call minus 30 brisk. <clears throat> Amongst other things. But uh, you do learn how to layer when you live in Edmonton, don't you? And I went out, and, and someone had taken and punched the lock out of my... I have an old Ford pickup truck, and they punched the lock and uh, gotten into my vehicle and just threw everything everywhere and took the change. Basically, I think they saw the change. I'd been throwing loonies and toonies into the cup holder for a while. And, you know, I was thinking, well, wherever I go, I, you know, I'm good for the parking meter, wherever I may be. So, um, and then I had purchased a brand new, I'd been waiting, I've probably been waiting about five years. I used to have this wonderful staple gun. I've been doing a bunch of work over at the fourplex, and I'm an old, old cabinet maker, and I bought this brand new, really nice staple gun, uh, heavy duty, and it was still in the box. So I got out, and the change was gone, and the new gun was gone, and everything was just tossed upside down. And so I went back inside the house to tell Laura what happened. I can't share with you some of the words I used because uh, it's not appropriate. But I had, I'm sharing it with you because it was the, it's the human experience. And what, a, what a, a, a person new to the teaching would say is, what's in your consciousness? And see, I don't think it works quite that linearly. I think there are people out in the world that do things. And if we're out in the world, uh, we're going to experience bits and pieces of that. But as a result of it, I went down, I took the vehicle down once I figured out what was missing, and I kept finding things. It was kind of neat. I thought, I think this is gone, but they had just gone through everything, and, and, and it was a good thing I, was, I had so much stuff in there because it was probably confusing for them. <laughs> anyway, because there was a lot of neat stuff they didn't take, and I thought, this is cool. I kept coming and said, look, Laura, my iPod is still here, you know? And, and um, you know, I mean, it's, and it's unique here because you can get up in the morning and it's above zero. And then it can drop 20 degrees in three hours. And so I got a variety of clothes in there to change on the road, you know. I mean, I'm prepared. You know, I got muckalucks in there and a bathing suit and flip-flops. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go. So anyway, they broke in. And I don't know who it was. And, uh, and so, you know, I wasn't happy about it. And I thought, oh, gee, you know, and all the things that you process it. When things happen in our lives, we process it. Have you noticed that? Have you ever had an experience where you, if something happens, you have to process it, Right? And so I went down to, I called a locksmith, I went down to Ford, and I went in and I said, look, I, I want to get my lock put back in, because they had punched it in, it's still in there, as a matter of fact. And the lady said, well, let me order you the parts, we'll take the locks out completely, we'll get you a new uh, keyless entry, because I'd lost that, this, that afternoon I lost that, I thought, what is going on here? Obviously, I don't want to go anywhere in my vehicle. You know, you start thinking like that. Anyway, she said, the parts are coming in, when they're in, we'll call you. And so I waited until we left for San Diego, still haven't heard from Ford. But what happened over the course of time is I couldn't open the door from that side. Now, somebody told me how to use a screwdriver and get in. That's probably the one that got in there originally and took the stuff. I thought, really? That's how you do that, huh? But um, what's happened is, so in order to get into my vehicle, I have to go, uh, I, I, and I forget all the time. I forget, I feel like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. I forget every morning I get up, I go to put my key in, oh, that's right. So I walk over to the passenger side, I unlock it, and then I reach in, and I click to unlock the vehicle, and I go back over, shut the door, and I go back over and get in the, the, the truck. What I typically do the first go-round in the morning, though, is I, I, I go around the, the vehicle, I open that door, I open the door, I look in, and then I shut the door, I walk back around to the other side, and then I realize, oh, I didn't unlock it yet. So then I get to walk back around and unlock it. And the first, let's say, 10 days of this, every time I did it, I would relive my frustration of discovery. 
of what happened. And I realized, you know what? Until these parts come in from forward, this is going to be part of my spiritual practice. And so I really got mindful about my mindfulness around it. And I made a commitment to myself that I'm not going to spin back in the story. Because it's so easy to do that when we have these experiences. So I got really good at walking out because I have plenty of room behind the, the home to do this. But then what I would do is I would go somewhere and I would park right up next to the snowbank so tight that it was almost impossible to even crack the door open to reach in and pop the lock. So I got used to climbing over the snowbank, sometimes having to take a shovel. I started bringing a shovel everywhere I went so I could dig, dig myself in there and reach over the snowbank, lay on it, unlock it, pull it open, reach in and unlock it. Now that was a little tougher for me to not spin back into the story when I was doing that. And I share this with you because this is life. This is the world we live in. And there's a, there's a, there's a cultural conditioning, there's a, there's a consciousness out there. And so when I think about why we do what we do, I think about what's important. We teach the perennial truth. We teach that consciousness precedes experience. And so at many levels, that simple little experience, because I'm going to get the lock fixed, and now that I, maybe not, because I don't know how to get open the screwdriver. Somebody showed me between services. But the point being is that I, I, don't, control, I don't control another person's behavior, but I can re- control their response to it. And part of stewardship is I realize, you know what, I got too much clutter in this vehicle. I cleaned it all out. There's nothing in there now. So I just said, oh, you know. I mean, that's part of being a good steward. And Jesus talked about that in the, in the parable of the talents. But when you're a good steward with little, more is given. And I realize, okay, get rid of the clutter. Bring the mindfulness to what we're doing because it's so easy to take those little steps in our lives for granted. But the other piece of it for me is that whoever did this <clears throat> is just simply living in ignorance. And I know that, and I say that with great compassion. And what I want for everyone is to live their best life. Everyone has gifts and talents. This young lady singing today, the, the hours that have gone into her learning to play the guitar so beautifully and trusting your voice and finding your voice. And Jenny ties next to her and Jenny playing the keyboards and she's shared her gifts. And there's Dan who plays our drums. And, and all, but all of, these, all of that is a clue into what our gifts and talents are. And so when we can share that and live from that, we all benefit. It's just a beautiful thing. And what we're here is to help reveal that. And every one of us does it so uniquely and so beautifully. Here's Brian. He does all these beautiful photographs. He's, he'll, he'll send me photographs this afternoon from Facebook. Of, I'll look at him and go, I didn't look like that, did I? You know? But here he is, this, this gifted photographer. Every one of you has gifts and talents. And, it, and, and those gifts and talents are an expression of the infinite. It's the vibration of the most high. Individualized. I mean, this is where it shows up. This is why we're here. And to live life and live life fully, as Dr. Ernest Holmes said. And so if we look at our lives and we, and we think, okay, I'm going to take a 10-week class in, in the foundations of this tradition and to think that at times when life shows up in ways we don't expect it that we're not going to be uh, thrown off course or we're going to be di- not be disappointed, that is just so unfair t- to one another. And I share this experience with you because I really have been waiting. I want to get this, I'd like to get it resolved. And every time I go out, I wonder if the parts are here. But I'm no longer spinning in the frustration of the story with it because I realize... Somebody did not have the gift that I've had in my life. Someone did not guide me through experience and through wisdom and clarity to a place where truth is being expressed so that I can 
I can meet the experiences of life in a way that's intelligent and empowering. And so that, that is, I've turned it into a spiritual practice for myself. And I can be more diligent and I will get it handled. But for the time being, I've been, I've been in this experience. We came home last night. We came home, traveled all day and, and uh, got home. And I went down because a lot of laundry to do. You know, you go through all your clean stuff when you're gone for a week. And I was going to go down and put some laundry in. And, and a, one of the copper pipes had a pinhole. And there was just water. It was like it was raining inside the place. And it was flooding in the laundry room. And so I shut the valves off, and once again, I used a couple of words as I discovered it that I, I won't share with you today. But in, in, in figuring out, Laura and I talked about, you know, what we need to do, and I called the plumber, and the plumber finally got there about 10 o'clock last night. Great guy. And uh, somebody that I've known for a long time. And we couldn't fix it because everything got wet and so motors had burned and you, know, you just think you got a hole in the pipe and it turns out that no you and I just we just put this new water heater in in June so all of the parts now have to be replaced so I get to do it twice but it's easy to spin in that and feel the, and, and to go into victim and I just thought you know I feel so blessed to know somebody that's competent that they can come and help me deal with this I feel blessed to have the resources and the confidence in who I am to know that this too shall pass We'll do whatever it takes, that I've got somebody that's going to... But, but there's, so many, there's so many ways that we can interpret that story. Just like having our vehicle broken into, or somebody that we love um, challenged physically, or, or someone making their transition. All of those things of life. And they are blows, and they, they affect us. But to have the practice, because we've done enough of the work in the, in the arena of changed human being. So that it doesn't take away from the understanding and the trust and the faith of who we are. You are the thing itself, as I am. I'm having this conversation with, with you because you are calling it forth from me, and vice versa. It's a conversation each and every time we get together, whether it be in a class or here. And it really is about the revelation of the truth of our being. That's what I love about our teaching. It's just so, it's just so simple and clear. Consciousness precedes experience. If I want to change my experiences in life, I must go to work at the deep levels of consciousness to embody whatever qualities there are and whatever the, that, that depth of consciousness is to change the experience. That's the good news and the bad news. So we get together and I think about whoever this was that broke into the vehicle. And I have absolute compassion for this person because they live in ignorance. They don't know who they are. Because if we understand who we are, we would never even consider taking from someone else. It diminishes us. It's kind of like the butterfly. The metaphor of the butterfly. It ripples out and it touches everything. And so it's so important, I think, not to continue to spin in a, a vibrational frequency of consciousness that doesn't support our highest aspirations to live our best life. And so I'm just, I'm just so grateful to be part of this teaching. I'm so grateful the gifts that have come along in my, and continue to show up. This last year, we, for, for eight years now, we have an amazing community. I just spent a week, Laura and I spent a week with other ministers. Uh, this is a remarkable community with remarkable people. You are change agents in so many ways in your life. And so many of you have different variety of modalities that you engage in as well as this, because at the end of the day, see, all of our traditions are just kind of, way, uh, are kind of resting places, whatever we are, to the ultimate reality and truth of the revelation of what we are, which is the thing itself. 
And all the traditions can be, can be so layered and it can become a distraction. But, but the mind needs that. And for us, the simplicity is to understand there's one life. That life is God's life. That life is my life now. That's it. But how do we get that and how do we know we get that? Well, life happens. Disappointments happen. And, and to, be, to be vulnerable. I was invited to speak at a panel in San Diego. I was invited by a doctor, and I was on a panel. I didn't know who was on the panel. Carol Carnes called me, Dr. Carol Carnes from Calgary. And she said, I want you to be on this leadership panel. And I said, well, you know, Carol, we, uh, for eight years we've done really, really well in Edmonton. We've grown 10, 10 to 15% minimum every year in terms of, of, of financial resources, in terms of membership, in terms of just touching people's lives. It's been it, it, a vibrant, vibrant community. And this year we, we backed up. We, we, didn't, we didn't meet our projections. And I said to her, you know, I, I just feel like I've failed. And she said to me on the phone, she said, oh, just shut up. <laughs> so that'll make you, that makes you a better minister. And so we looked at that. We had, you know, we had a lot of change this year. And, and, and I got to tell you, you know, we did have a 10 to 15% growth this year. For me, this year, I feel like I've grown at least 15% in terms of being in the community and being with you and being as authentic, excruciatingly authentic as I can possibly be to say, look, guys, people are, you know, I've been at this for 20 years. People still bust into my vehicle once in a while. You know, pipes break. This is life. And to be able to look at it and say, man, I'm so glad, I'm so blessed with the resources to get through this. And I'm going to get through this with such grace and clarity that this is a blip on the radar screen because i got more interesting things to do. It took our organization 57 years to come back together. Do you know how much prayer and energy and effort went back into that? Dr. Holmes said this. I, I wrote about it in the newsletter. Dr. Holmes quote after this happened. And I got a lot of information about why it happened, and maybe if it's appropriate one day, I'll, I'll share it with you. But he said, I'm, not, I'm sure he wrote this to Dr. Barker, Raymond Charles Barker, who is another amazing teacher in our movement. It was after the split, and Dr. Holmes said, I'm sure your interest is in the permanency of the movement, our movement. Holmes wrote, the same as mine is, even though we are on two sides of the same coin, of course, I know the whole thing will come back together when the right time comes because it is the logical thing to do. And I think in the long run, common sense usually wins. And so I went to San Diego. I had nothing to do. I was just going to be there in Lauren. I had a great time. But I sat on this panel. And uh, on the panel were four of us. It was Dr. Kathy Hearn, who is the president of the United Centers, Dr. Ken Gordon, who's the president of International Centers, and Christian Sorensen, who had been president of the United Centers for years. And I'm sitting there with him. And I thought, this is just an honor. I'm sitting here with three presidents, past and present, and having a discussion about ministry. And, and, and talking about my journey, talking about what has worked. Because it's different for everybody. There's no, if, if, if it was something we could outline if it was something that we could just cookie-cutter it out, we could all do it. But I can't you do your life, and you can't do mine. But what I know is that when we show up together, I want to ha- have the most interesting and honest conversation I can have. So that you can walk out of here and go, you know what? It is a journey. And it's really taking the experiences at the, at the, at, at the um, level of consciousness and understanding. And I don't think if I didn't have the year that we've had, and for me, I'm right in the middle of it. For Laura and I, we watched all the things going on, all the changes and all the things, but this is life. Someone said to me, don't draw a straight line. I wouldn't have been able to sit on that panel and share. And, and as I say, it was, it was 
transformational for me to sit with those people and listen and to be in that conversation. And I told them, you know, um, for me, it's, it's one of the prayers, and I, you know, I, I said I say it every day, and they asked me to repeat it, and I couldn't repeat it, so Dr. Ken said, so you say it every day? But, but <laughs> and I say, I say a version of it every day, and I do, because it really, it, Dr. Holmes said, I don't know, but something within me does know. I don't know, but something within me does know, which immediately shifts me to start listening. Immediately, and, and so when Kennedy Schultz started his center in Atlanta, and Dr. Kennedy Schultz was, was quite a character, very dynamic, went to Atlanta. Part of his story is he went into a small gathering of, uh, of us back in the 60s. He'd moved from New York City, and he was listening to this minister talk. And he went away, and he called his teacher who was in New York and said, you know, this guy's not very good. And his teacher, who was who was, uh, I think it was Raymond Charles Barker, actually, said, who are you to talk? Who, who are you to talk? At least there, he's trying. If you think you can do something better, do it. And so Kennedy started inviting people on Sunday morning. The only place he could find was a bar. And he invited people to come to the bar. And pretty soon the bar was too small. And so he grew this, he started to grow this uh, center, which is now the Atlanta Center, and there's several hundred members there still to this day, part of his legacy, the seeds he planted. But when he was being installed as a minister, Dr. Bitzer came from California, and Dr. Bitzer was the head of our organization. When the two organizations split, Dr. Holmes and Dr. Bitzer were lifelong friends, but Dr. Bitzer became the, the, the president of Religious Science International, which was our name at the time. And so Kennedy said to him, would you tell me how to do ministry? And Bitzer said, oh, I can, he said, would you stay around for a few days and teach me? And Bitzer said, oh, I can tell you that on the way up the elevator. And so he said, well, tell me. And so he said, I, see a guy, I get up every morning and I say, the infinite mind of the one fills my awareness with everything necessary to perfect my ministry for those that have come, those that will come, and those that are here now. The infinite mind of the one fills my awareness with everything necessary for me to perfect my ministry for those that are here now and those yet to come. And so the words vary for me. But I never forgot that when I heard that. So if, you, if, if that is the invocation to understand who you are and whose you are and we're connected to this divine genius. When we say those things, when we have that conversation, it's our opportunity to just be quiet and listen. And I love that. I love being in that conversation. I remember hearing that and I said, man, I want that. I love that. Oh, there's, when you're a new minister, man, you want every little foothold you can get to propel you forward. They're so inspired, they're going out right now writing a song. But we are agents of change. You are. you are. You are agents of change. That's what you are. I want to share with you something from Mark Nepo, and I want to talk about it a little bit, because it's so beautiful, and it speaks. And Nepo, I, I brought poetry with me. If I'm, if I'm going to do uh, uh, this, the, you know, always look at the books I'm, I'm teaching from. We're doing the um, Prosperity Plus right now. One of the things that we talked about in San Diego with Cliff uh, Christopher, who wrote, It's Not Your Parents' Offering Plate, the centers, the communities, the churches that are growing have high expectation. We are a high expectation community. The ones that are dying have low expectation. When we have high expectation of one another, it's it's exciting. I want to play at that, the finest level that I can play with you. I want to share the finest message. I want to, I want to be inspired by you, and, and I hope I inspire you. 
as well. And many of you do that. You inspire me. We are, we are agents of change. The human potential, of the, 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 the fully orbed human entity. My prayer for the person that broke into my truck is that they wake up one day. And they realize this. Do you know that they did a study? I have a friend that's in the criminal justice system. They did a study on crimes of possession, people stealing things, embezzling. Do you know what the income is on it? They average it out to an hourly rate. It's 12 cents an hour. 12 cents an hour. You can do a lot better getting the paper route. But, but that, and it's a reflection of a consciousness. It's just a reflection of a consciousness. And we're here to wake up to that. I have a son who's in medical school. I, I, I demand the, the finest from that young man as a doctor. And he's on fire with it. And he loves it. It's his passion. It's an inspiration to be around him. He is so focused and directed. And he's just you watch him unfold the consciousness of doctor. It's inspiring. There's a great story in Goodwill Hunting, which is the story of uh, Matt, Matt Damon and, and um, Ben Affleck wrote that one on Academy Award for the screenplay. But in the beginning, Matt, Matt Damon is, is a janitor in a university, and there's a math problem on the board that's unsolvable, and he goes in and solves it, and that's part of the... Well, that's a true story. Mary Manon Morrissey talks about it in Prosperity Plus. Uh, the, the, the person that it actually happened to got to an exam, a math exam, late. And just for fun, the, the, the teacher had put two unsolvable math problems on the board. And so... Um, while he came in late for the exam and, and the, the, the person said, well, take the exam home and finish it because it wasn't the kind of thing you could cheat on anyway. And while he was home, he didn't realize, but he wrote down the two, two problems that had never been solved. Came back in with the test and the teacher called him about two weeks later and said, do you realize you s- just solved two unsolvable problems? No one's ever been able to solve these. See, he didn't know. And so when I look at my son and I look at other people that are, are mining the depths of their skills and talents and abilities... I don't want to be telling him anything is impossible because everything is possible. And, and that's inspiring for me. So when we get together, we're fueling those things to change lives for ourselves to be the example and for, the, for generations to come. This is just the, the best teaching on the planet. I'm telling you. And it's your opportunity to dive into the depths that you can. I just thank you for being here in this conversation. Mark Nepo says this, the energy of being real. And I think this gives us a clue. Why do we take, how do we take this out in the world? He says, Mana is a term originally used in Polynesian and Melanesian cultures to describe an extraordinary power or force residing in a person or an object. A sort of spiritual electricity that charges anyone who touches it. Carl Jung later defined the term as the unconscious influence of one being on another. What Jung speaks to is the fact that the energy of being real has more power than outright persuasion, debate, or force of will. He suggests that being who we are always releases an extraordinary power that without intent or design affects the people who come in contact with such realness. So we're just being called to be ourselves. We're, we're being called. This is what's happened for organization. I said it at the, at the uh, intensive with the students. I said, what's happened organizationally is we've, we've grown enough in consciousness to no longer be driven by our memories, but to live and be together in divine inspiration. And that's what spiritual practice can do for us. So when you are living from your divine inspiration, you inspire everybody. It's contagious. The beautiful and simple truth of this can be seen in looking at the sun. The sun without intent or will or plan or sense of principle just shines thoroughly and constantly. By being itself, the sun warms with its light, never withholding or warming only certain parts of the earth. It never holds back. 
Rather, the sun emanates in all directions all the time and things grow. In the same way, when we are authentic, expressing our warmth and light in all directions, we cause things to, around us to grow. When our soul, like little suns, expresses the light of who we are, we emanate what Jesus called love and what Buddha called compassion, and the roots of community lengthen. In this way, without any intent to shape others, we simply have to be authentic. And a sense of manna, of spiritual light and warmth, will emanate from our very souls, causing others to grow, not towards us, but toward the light that moves through us. In this way, by being who we are, we not only experience life in all its vitality, but quite innocently and without design, we help others be more thoroughly themselves. In being real and staying devoted to this energy of realness, we help each other grow towards the, vital, the one vital life. You are the light of the world. You and I are the light of the world. And to reveal the authenticity and to be together and have the honest conversation and, and to know that whatever happens on this planet to us is for us and it never diminishes us. And, and so I'm just so grateful to stand in, in this community. I'm so grateful to be part of the lineage of this beautiful tradition. It took 57 years for some of the finest metaphysicians on the planet to heal that. So if you have something going on in your life and you're impatient, it's just a matter of doing the work. It's sequential, it's gradual, and it's inevitable as long as we continue to do the work that's necessary. And I know that you support me in that work that's necessary as I support you, and I thank you. So it is.